Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. This, of course, is the Freestar Presents Blood, Sweat, and CPMs podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Kudashevich. And I'm your co-host, Andy Forwork. Andy, we've had a great first year of our little podcast. As you know, we're we're going to do a little bit different last show here of the year of 2020. We're going to do a little bit of a highlight reel show where we kind of go through the different clips that we liked from each of our guests this year and give our little two cents sort of parting thoughts sort of thing. So yeah, looking forward to uh, kind of walk down memory lane. Remember <laughs> all these great interviews we had, all these great people that we got to talk to this year, the year of yeah. COVID, which was <laughs> tough to get through, but this uh, definitely helped you know, make it make it a little bit more fun. For sure. And uh, just listening to some of the bloopers too, it's going to be pretty nice too. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> many, many bloopers. <laughs> many, many, many bloopers. So Andy, when this comes out, I think we'll be uh, just after the Christmas Hanukkah time and probably just before New Year's. So I'm just kind of curious in the four work household, let's, let's talk of regular times makes me feel a little nostalgic of the past <laughs> for, for regular times. What do you, what do you guys do? Well, I mean, there's probably pretty similar to most, most families out there and it's, uh, pretty much, you know, wake up in the morning, venture out into the, the family room and gather around the tree and, you know, kind of start, uh, we, we go, go with stockings first, depending on if we have firewood, there might be a fire going in the fireplace or, Oh, that, that tricky TV thing that looks like a fireplace. <laughs> you just got to think, think warm thoughts, think warm thoughts. <laughs> yeah. In the, you know, it's funny in Phoenix, sometimes it's 80 degrees on Christmas and then other times it's still cold. So usually get a fire in indoors or outside at some point during the day, you know, kind of hanging out. It's, it's the laziest day of the year aside from opening presents, pretty much do nothing. You said stock. So you do the stockings first. Always with the stockings first. Yeah. What kind of things are in the stockings? I'm asking as a person who's never done any kind of Christmas type of thing. It's usually just random stuff. So the things that you would never think that you would get for Christmas, I, I can't even be specific about items. It's like, are we talking like white elephant type stuff, like gag gifts, or no, 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 just like small, like kind of trinket things um you know like a desk ornament type deal or yeah yeah candy there's, on there's the usually candy here? there's there's just I love yeah, candy it's, mm. it's just random stuff you know it's no, nothing of great value yeah, but of, but great oh. but brings great value it, it's not oh. i mean it doesn't cost a lot but right it yes. brings that cheer yeah know, there's value cheer going we're not talking roi we're talking Holiday cheer and soul. Oh, <laughs> holiday cheer in a little stocking above the mantle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for for my side, uh, you know, being a member of the tribe, so to speak, we never really. Maybe when I was younger, we celebrated Hanukkah a little bit more than we do. So we would we would like go over to my uncle's place just for efficiency's sake. People would sort of instead of giving you. Uh, seven or eight or whatever it is, small presents, you just get kind of like one nicer thing. So instead of a present for each day, as I know some some Jewish families do. So, you know, like uncles, aunts, etc. Give presents to all of the, the kids. 
I, I am going to throw a curveball at you, Andy. I bet you don't know this. So as as tradition, we would actually have my dad dress up as Santa Claus, not for Hanukkah or Christmas time, but for New Year's. No. So we did we did New Year's presents. Those would be like probably akin to your kind of bigger, you know, PS5 level uh, Christmas mm. presents. Okay. We did that for New Year's, whereas for Hanukkah, if we did anything, it'd be like, hey, here's here's 20 bucks or here's, you know, some something of that range. So that was sort of our our family. I think other, you know, Russian families do the Santa Claus ish type of thing for New Year's as well. Maybe that's a Russian Jewish thing or maybe it's just us and we're very weird people. I don't I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so that that's kind of our our tradition a little bit. All right, Andy. Well, I think we need to bore the audience anymore with our little traditions. Uh, looking forward to to chatting with you about our clips from the year, and hopefully, like you said, it'll it'll bring uh, some of our longtime loyal podcast listeners a little trip down memory lane. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Well, as we previewed in the opening, we are doing a little bit of a highlight show today for you. So we are going to start with Ashley from Rubicon Project at the time, moving over to Magnite. So here we we found out a, a funny little tidbit about how Ashley actually broke into the industry. So let's go ahead and listen to that. I, when I started programmatic, I had no clue like what I was getting myself into. S- sounds sounds about right, hi Andy. I, yeah. <laughs> I think that, that's probably true for all of us. But so I had reached out actually to the guy who started the programmatic business at CBS, who I had been friends with, and I saw that he was the head of client services at Rubicon. I didn't actually necessarily know what Rubicon was. All I cared was I wanted to stay in client services. And so I remember like tricking him, not tricking, but like, hey, let's get a drink. And then he got there and I was like, so I need a job. And at the time it was for uh, a director role at Rubicon. And he's like, Ashley, I love you, but this role is like a programmatic consultant and you know absolutely nothing about the programmatic industry. And I was like, Jeremy, I can learn. Give me a chance. (laughs) And he was like, okay, fine. So why don't you go do some research? And then you write me an email that that shows me that you're going to be able to figure this out. So bring back- Talk about pressure. Talk about pressure. (laughs) So bring back the English major into all of this. I start researching it and realize like there's no way I'm going to be able to fit all of this into an email. So I literally yeah. wrote a seven-page term paper with footnotes. Oh wow! What? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, with like reference to the IAB, all this stuff. Um, and I was like, wow. seven. Pa- you literally wrote a novel. I did a short yeah. a, a short story. Yeah, a, a term paper, but. I still have it. Actually, I've shared it with some of my coworkers since, and they're like, oh, you know, it's not, not so bad considering you didn't know what you were talking about. All right. Well, Ashley uh, reminding us about her seven-page term paper that she had to write to get her first job in ad tech. This one had Jeff and I pretty much laughing out loud. You know, she mentioned that she was an English major, and it's just it was really funny to see that, but um, obviously a testament to her and, and her success. So uh, cool story, Ashley. Thanks for sharing. Our next clip is from our conversation with Veronica from Ad Talent. 
she talks to us about how people influence a company and sort of how you know when the when the people and the CEOs are are really bought in. Yeah, it's it's really quite simple. I think um, the number one thing, the number one job of any organization is people. If you can't get that, like I don't care how cool and fancy and relevant your product is, if your number one goal as an organization isn't about people, you're it's it's not gonna be it's not gonna be okay. Yeah, here, uh, what I really loved from Veronica was sort of saying, it doesn't matter what your product is, good, bad, or otherwise. If your goal as an organization isn't people, then you're you're just going to fall flat. I think we do a really good job here as well to sort of embody that. And it's just great to hear from you know somebody who has their own recruiting agency and talks to many, many different companies that people should always be number one. And I hope we all strive for that. All right. Our next clip is from Smita Brett Stanza. She sort of talks through how she built her company and, and effectively built in things that are important to their culture sort of out of the gate. So let's give that a listen. Yeah. So I am a woman and I'm definitely a minority. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> So I think, I think my experience is, you know, just, just categorically going to be different. I'm also from outside of the States. I've lived most of my life, you know, in the Middle East. So I think in one way, I, you know, my approach to this whole thing has just been, it's, it's incredibly grateful. Like I didn't even know this was an option for me, like while, while growing up. At the same time, like, I think one of the biggest challenges that I had was finding people that came to like, I guess, building a company or being part of a company with the same attitude. Because I do feel like, you know, the early days of Stanza, I think what was raging through Silicon Valley was the bro culture. It's like, you know, we're here, we're here to kind of like drink our way through our jobs and, you know, have a ton of fun along with it, which is phenomenal. But really, I felt like it was it was a little bit of like, hey, growth first and people second. So I think the hardest part for, for me personally was building a team and finding a group of people that were really thinking about this the same way that I was, which is let's build something that's going to last and let's build it with people that, you know, are thinking about it from, you know, perspective of diversity and inclusion and really believing in it versus, hey, you know, I have a page on my website about it. All right. Well, that was great perspective from Smita. So, you know, hiring a diverse group of people was a big thing for her. You know, didn't want just a page on the website that said, hey, we're diverse, like really wanted to ingrain that in the culture and, and uh, you know, build the company around that. So uh, really cool stuff. Our next clip is from our episode where we spoke with Matt over at Critio. He gives some really good perspective on sort of making an impact uh, on your business and and what you can do to kind of be flexible through your career as well. My perspective on, on, on career growth and, and development is, is to try and look for kind of and understand two things. One is what's your company need to happen? Like what, what needs to happen to make your company or your part of your business successful? And what do you really want to be doing and what are you passionate about? If you can find a happy intersection of those two things, whether something you really care about and it's going to be really valuable for your company, 
it's usually a good thing to push on and, and do. And so I never worried too much about what the function was, right? Whether it's RevOps, AdOps, sales, partnerships. I was more worried about having an impact and it being something that I really cared about and thought that we should definitely, definitely do. The part that I really loved was sort of when he said, thinking about what's really important at your business and how you can actually make an impact on that. Um, I, I think too often we just do our day to day and and don't really think about the bigger picture. And um, I really loved his perspective on that, almost like taking a step back and and making sure that no matter what type of position you're going to be having and you'll probably jump around a bit uh you know within your company and sort of always having that as your north star to to kind of navigate those waters really really interesting our next clip here was with krista over at amobi uh she tells us a pretty some pretty funny insights that their their team had on some of the data they were looking at uh during covid one just funny vignette that we we learned that was kind of hysterical to us, but <laughs> we were looking at travel because we have an airline client. We have a couple of travel um, and hospitality clients and basically found that while most travel was being canceled aggressively, right? Business travel canceled a whole like weddings, a whole bunch of, you know, these types of events just canceled. There was one stalwart holdout and that was bachelor parties. <laughs> so wait even though the wedding is canceled the bachelor party still goes on bachelor party's on man it's on and so and we we're like wow this is interesting people are like pushing and rescheduling and putting it into but like not canceling and wow so okay it was just one of those just funny insights right that that we found over time Yeah, so Krista had some <laughs> some pretty funny data showing that um, despite weddings getting canceled or rescheduled, bachelor parties were still on. <laughs> so uh, all the men out there still wanted to, to party and, and were willing to risk their uh, immune systems to being exposed to COVID for the bachelor parties. <laughs> all right, our next clip here is from Rob over at Undertone. Sort of talks us through... Uh, why mentorship is important to him and kind of the way that he handles being a mentor with his staff. By far the favorite part of my job is the coaching, mentoring, and teaching aspect of it. I love the opportunity to teach my sales team, my client experience team, you know, not only the great words of wisdom that I've learned from the mentors that I've had over the years, but also talk to them about what I've been able to learn and grow from through my own experiences and path to where I am today. Uh, I think what's great is that I can talk to every single one of them and be like, listen, it wasn't that long ago where I was in AE in your shoes and doing every single thing that you guys are doing on a daily basis. And here are the things that I mapped out from a career timeline path to get to where I am. And these are the things that I can work with you to put together. So I actually approach it in, in a number of different ways uh, to provide support and encouragement to, to the entire team, whether it's helping them make decisions, it's solving problems, it's developing their skill sets. What I really liked about this clip from Rob is not only does he help people, but he he sort of puts himself 
in their shoes and kind of talks through it with them to a place where, Hey, I was you years ago. I've been the, you know, I've been down that road. Let me kind of help you not sort of make the same mistakes I did, which I think is, is perfect for, for a mentor mentee relationship. Our next clip is from Shannon over at L'Oreal. And she talks about a book that she wants to write, uh, which I think has a pretty fantastic title. Enjoy. I have a lot going on in my life. I've always believed that I'd rather be busy than bored. I'm certainly never bored. I get really excited about all of these different parts and pieces of my life. I love what I do. I love my kids are just a ton of fun because they're teaching me new things every day. The Miss America organization is the largest scholarship organization in the world for women. So I get really excited about how I can help change the lives of young women as, as they enter into their college careers and make sure that we we get more women into the workforce, but ultimately into executive positions and, and the skills that come out of competing there are just tremendous. Yeah, I love it all. But the interesting question that you ask, like, how do you balance it all? I swear someday I'm going to write this book because I've been tinkering with it for the past <laughs> few years. And it, the title of the book, if I could ever get a publisher to let me get away with it, would be Balance is Bullshit. Every woman's version, every person's version of balance has to be different, right? There are people who need to be able to shut down when they shut down and they walk away from work. And there are people who blend their lives together. And I am that person who blends my life together. My work and my day and my life are all one blended piece. I don't feel guilty about making a phone call to set up a doctor's appointment for my daughter when I'm in the middle of my workday, as much as I don't feel guilty about working at a PowerPoint presentation right before I go to bed. Yeah, Shannon had a, a pretty hilarious uh, uh, book title there, really had me going. You know, her kind of blended approach to life where, you know, it's not necessarily her whole day isn't like divided between work and family. It's just kind of all there. And if she needs to get things done for work, then she will. And same thing with her family. So that, that was a good outlook on it. All right. Our next clip is from Paul over at Uproxx. Uh, Paul, among many great quotes on this episode, talks us through how he handles adaptation, uh, not just, of course, through uh, through COVID, but kind of just his career path and 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 juggling different uh, different things at work. When people ask me like, oh, "What do you do?" right, or or "What have you done?" and you know, I could nerd out with them for a little bit and talk about it, and I could lose them, or you like really simplify what you've done over your career, you know, over the past fifteen so years. It's adapt. Don't be afraid of change recognize, by the way, that change is inherently scary. But when you embrace that scare a little bit and you go, if it scares me, it could be a little bit cool. And if it could be a little bit cool, it could be a lot of bit cool. <laughs> and if it could be a lot of bit cool, I want to go for that. I, that's why I encourage not just like I encourage my teams. I encourage you know folks that I mentor uh, and I encourage folks that I advise. Like, in, embrace change. But really what I'm saying with that is be adaptable. You know, the fact that you came from a company a couple of years ago and you have a certain way that you think the world works, use that experience, but look at the world now. And don't just look at the world now through your discipline. Look at the world now through every other input. You might have done something so, so well two years ago or three years ago or, four, or one year ago, whatever. But the other inputs on the other side for the, other, for the audience, you know, whether it's a buyer or whoever on the other side, may have fundamentally changed that they don't think the same way anymore. So even though the end result, right, they're still going to spend their money, they're still going to do something in a certain way. 
they might do it very differently now because something's changed on their end. And so when I talk about adaptability, I don't just mean to the individual, like be flexible, you know, be a yes man or be a yes woman or like, you know, I don't totally just mean that. I mean, be open to seeing the entire world and how it impacts the person on the other side of the communication and understand that their world is changing too. That's going to help you be really successful, not just how you communicate, but how you convince somebody to do something, how you approach organizational change and organizational structure, how you approach your products. And so to me, adaptability is, is like, it's the crux of it. man. What I loved about this quote from, from Paul was just thinking about, you know, putting yourself maybe not in the most comfortable position if you think something is cool right? Taking a little bit of risk, a risk on yourself and maybe learn a little bit more. And if it still feels cool, learn a little bit more than that. And it's good perspective on, on anybody who's thinking about a career shift or even maybe presenting something that's against the grain, so to speak at their business and, and hoping to make a, an, an impact on it as well. Our next clip is from Kate over at Ad Lightning. Kate sort of talks us through the arms race uh, between companies like hers and the malicious fraudsters out there. Take a listen. The incentive for fraudsters is incredible. And our developers always laugh like we're in the wrong business, right? The fraudsters make millions and millions, if not billions of dollars a year, just trying to execute these, these bad campaigns. So it is, you know, they're incentivized to do um, malicious behaviors. To stay ahead of it, you know, it, it's been interesting to watch the evolution, right? When we first started looking back, they were just dumb redirects, right? They used one, you know, top reference and could navigate the page away and it was not a big deal. And most people could stop it with sandboxing. Then the fraudsters got a little bit more sophisticated. They started obfuscating their code, you know, and, and that, at that time, you know, I think people were more comfortable with having a wrapper in place or having code on their page to help. And that's when we started getting a lot of data back to us that we could actually start analyzing that helps us put us ahead of the game, right? So the, the, when you have code on page, we can actually write data back to our systems that allows us to analyze what's going on. So we can be better at predicting the behaviors, looking for the different techniques, watching the sophistication, watching what the fraudsters are looking for. You know, we'll see them looking for our wrapper sometimes, in, right? now we were actually deobfuscating something yesterday where they were hiding some javascript and then creating their own cross domain iframe as a way to get around a lot of different technologies that are out there and so being able to do that in real time with some of the detection we have now that actually happens in the browser allows us to kind of see new patterns stop them and then send data back to ourselves to keep analyzing it so it really is just a circle that keeps happening of understanding new stuff and being able to predict what's going to happen. Okay. So yeah, a lot of stuff going on that Kate kind of touched on there. Um, it's in this industry of ad tech where everything is changing by the, by the day, almost, it seems she really pointed out how these fraudsters are trying to take advantage of every little thing they can to make more money uh, for them. <laughs> Um, and Ad Lightning is going to continue to fight it. <laughs> I also liked when she said sometimes her team just laments, like, maybe we got into the wrong side of this uh, business, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Our next clip is from Lara over at Triple Lift. She sort of talks us through the differences between her career in display and then how it sort of transitioned 
uh, into native and gave a little perspective on the differences there. It's no secret that native really does perform better for our advertisers. So, you know, over the last 20 years ish, I would say that people have developed, you know, what you would call like a banner blindness in a way, in terms of like traditional display ads, you know, I worked in it forever. And a lot of times I didn't notice the ads. I would have to purposely look for them if I was trying to troubleshoot or do something. So I think with native, it's just, it allows for a better ad recall. It allows for a better user experience that just tends to be much better than, you know, what is known as traditional display, though, obviously that's a good way to advertise to users as well. But I think when you're talking premium, there are a lot of things that go into it. Well, I thought it was it was interesting, right? Because uh, she comes from a long background, long history of display and sort of decided to shift gears, get into native and kind of talked us through, right, the banner blindness that some people experience, whereas native is really sort of supposed to be a, a part of the page and and why, uh, you know, why advertisers are, are paying a premium. So it's always nice to hear some of those things reinforced, uh, you know, from the source, so to speak. All right. Our next clip is from Mike over at Verizon. Mike talks us through how he handled COVID and the remote workplace and some of their uh, morning rituals, which had, uh, which have some strict rules around them. We've done a very good job of creating an environment, like an understanding environment where no one's expected to be available in the same manner that they were. We do something every morning called coffee talk. We all get together at nine o'clock every morning. And from nine to 9.15, we talk about non-work stuff. And if you talk about work stuff, you get kicked off the call. Right? <laughs> it's a way to just simply talk as a human being to someone else. But what, what's come of that is just you realize that like, people are people. And that sounds pretty stupid. But at the end of the day, you, you know a lot of people's workplace persona you don't understand their, their, their full life. And so on our team, like, you know, we're, we're a very close team. So there was more knowledge, but as you talk to your peers, you see, like, I remember I was on the phone with a, with a, with a VP um, at Conde and her, and her son comes running the room. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, for what? You know, it's like, we're all dealing with the same stuff. And you see like this personalization of your partners, of your clients, uh, you know, of your peers. And it's, it's a rose in a very thick thorn bush. Um, and I think you start to get more tolerance and you start to get more appreciation just for like who you're talking to and working with. All right. So Mike, uh, you know, saying he's got this 15 minute meeting, it's like kind of like going to coffee, you're going to talk and he has the very strict rule of if you talk about work, you're out of the call. So get out of here. <laughs> just, uh, it, you know, he makes a good point get to know the people you work with and, and uh, you know, it doesn't always have to be work at work, uh, especially during COVID we're all stuck in rooms and, and, you know, our own offices at home. So having that time to, you know, banter with people is good. Our next clip is from Paris over at Mantis kind of talks about what it means to be a full stack developer these days and a little bit of advice for, for developers in general. I think the definition of full stack is has definitely grown over the years and um, that you have to be comfortable with infrastructure and DevOps, right? Like 
you know, especially in ad tech, you know, I was kind of amazed how much a small coding decision, how much a byte of data can be the difference between latency, thousands of dollars in, in bandwidth costs or just, I mean, everything touches so many different moving pieces. Um, and you really have to be able to think about it at a more holistic level and not just a feature level. And, you know, especially given that, you know, I've been having a great time evaluating all these different technologies, you really have to understand why the tools were built and not what they do, right? You know, you can find 10, 20 different enterprise, enterprise grade key value stores, but like, why did that company decided to build it that way, right? What problems did they run into and try to like get ahead of what problems you're going to run into before just saying, oh, I'll just throw it in Redis or something just because that's popular and what everyone else uses. And so I would say those are like the two biggest things. All right. So Paris touching on what it means to be a full stack developer in the year of 2020. Uh, and that's, it's going to evolve in the future too, but, you know, just touching on points that you really need to know the ins and outs of uh, everything you're working on uh, in this industry of ad tech, because you could make one change to your code that might visually impact it, but you know, on the back end, could really drastically, you know, deteriorate performance, cause more latencies, etc. So yeah, I mean, I, I think you really need to know a lot of things if you're going to be uh, a developer in ad tech. And next up is Marty over at Blockthrough. Marty had some really good advice about who you surround yourself with. I think having a roster of amazing people on our team and on our advisory board um, has has been sort of the biggest single thing that that has helped drive our success. I think if you if you surround yourself with amazing people, you just increase your probability of success. Um, there's there's some great saying that I'm going to mangle, uh, but it's like you are the average of of the five people you spend the most time with. Um, and if if you surround yourself with people who are brighter and more knowledgeable than you, then that sort of rubs off on you. You know, I, I I love this bit of advice from Marty, and I still love it on on the re-listen here. If you really do think about it, right? So, who do you surround yourself with? Who are the who are the five people at work or at, in life, et cetera, that you that you interact with? You, you you sort of do become the average of those people. You know, maybe not down to to the words and mannerisms, but sometimes. Um, but I do think it it is an interesting. Uh, perspective, right? So try to make those five really solid people. And our next clip is with Chris over at IBM Watson Advertising. We sort of asked Chris, you know, what makes a good relationship with a vendor? Kind of liked his perspective. Get her, give her a listen. I've, I've always felt that the word partnership is, is such a strong word as opposed to client. I don't know why it's just been a thing for me, but each of those you've, you've I think you've got to understand, or I, I like to understand and think about how each party, like how it, how it benefits each party, right? If, if I'm going to work with a partner, I want to make sure that it's, it's going to work for them as well as it's going to work for us. Obviously we, we have our own interests first in mind, but but if it's if it's if it's completely lopsided, it's not going to last. And I think those long-standing, you know, sort of relationships where you build and, and, and you're in there together, I think, are the ones that are going to thrive. 
Okay. So yeah, one of the things that uh, Chris touched on is, you know, talking about vendors, not as vendors, but as partners and creating a partnership. Um, you know, he, he talks about having both sides of the partnership equally invested in what they're doing, right? So you don't want to get into something with someone that's not as invested as you are into it, uh, probably isn't going to turn out so well. So great advice there from Chris at uh, IBM Watson Advertising. All right. And our next clip was from our great conversation with the guys over at the Minority Report podcast, Eric and Carell. They kind of talked us through not just diversity in the workforce, but also helping people level up and and how you can sort of include them uh, in your day to day to 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 help promote, uh, you know, that that level of growth, uh, even with, you know, sort of speak non managers as well. Over time and as we became leaders, you know, when you're doing stuff day to day, you actually don't think about it that way, right? So you don't go in and you're just like, hey, I'm this leader and I'm doing these things, you know? And before we were that, we were exposed, right? We had exposure. We were included in, in meetings. We were participating. So something that I think that, you know, businesses can do so that it goes from feeling good or from sort of talking about it, but actual real tangible action is that if you can help others to expose them to leadership roles and situations, you know, you're already creating building blocks. You know, we forget about how hard it is to figure out how to run, you know, a, a real important conference call, right? We forget how it is to, to go into a, a big, you know, uh, meeting. You, you were airlifted into a city and then now you've got to go 50 floors up in a building and go meet with like big decision makers, you know? So, you know, we forget about like all of that. We, we learn through exposure, we learn through inclusion. We learn through uh, people showing us those things. And, you know, it's not that hard to do if you can just make it part of of, uh, of what you do all the time, you know, and it, it's a very simple thing. You know, you want to learn how to tie your shoes? Sit down. I'll show you. Right. You want to learn how to make this meal? Come in the kitchen, hang out and watch, you know, and and, and like I think, you know, inclusion and, and, and participation, you know, that people get to watch, observe and learn. So, Carell? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree a lot with what you said there, Eric. I mean, I think it starts by diversity and inclusion and belonging can't be something that's off in the corner in, in an organization, right? It has to be a part of the fabric of who you are as, as a company, right? And so, you know, what is what is your mission statement look like? What are your values look like? And, you know, just like you have goals and measure quarter to quarter and in year to year, right? DNI should be a part of that as, as well too. And the other thing I, I would also say is stop making excuses, right? Companies, right? Like the, the one thing that drives me nuts is when people say, well, I want to hire more diverse staff, but I can't find the people. Well, it's not that you can't find the people. It, the people are out there. It's just that you need to change your hiring tactics, right? Like if you, if you equate this to business for a second, right? When, you, when you're launching a product or you have a new initiative and you put it out in the marketplace, if it's not working, right, or you're not growing adoption as fast as you would like, what's the first thing you do? You pull back a little bit, you think about how you rolled it out, and you figure out how to shift, right? Should be the same thing with your hiring practices, right? You can't do the same things that you've been doing forever if you want to make a change. Look at what you're doing and, and pivot. So that, that would be my, my advice to anyone out there listening. 
Yeah. So one of the things I like that they talked about there was, you know, allowing employees to be included. They use the reference of, you know, you want to learn how to make this meal, come in the kitchen and watch. And I think that's one of the biggest points is, or takeaways here is, you know, surrounding or allowing the people that work with you and, and work for you to see and, and be exposed to a lot of the things that, you know, they might not be on a day-to-day uh, just to help them get get to see what it's like and see if there's a next level for them. Yeah. Being, being in those shoes. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that's a, that's a wrap for our, our little uh, first season here, 2020 looking forward to 2021. And, uh, you know, we wanted to leave you guys with, with some laughs. So, uh, some final thoughts here, give our little blooper reel a listen, enjoy happy holidays, everybody. And, Have a fantastic 2021. We're signing off from 2020. See you in the future. And I'm your co-host, Andy Forwork. Listening to Jeff fart into the microphone. (laughs) All right, do do, do it over again, Andy. It's basically an image of a monitor that has what looks to be like a, what is that called? A postcard? Is postcard? No, postcard is what you send when you Index when you card. How about Index that? card. That's right. There we go. Who, who would have thought there's so many varieties of, of paper? Now we're going to get some hate mail from big paper. You're, lo- you're looking, you're looking puzzled. So. Did you not? Did you not know that that was a thing? Or? Oh, no, I definitely knew that's a thing. I'm, I'm just okay. kind of thinking like what possibly gobble, gobble, could gobble. represent a turkey in bowling. We're going to have gobble. to look that one up. Figure that gobble, one gobble. I'm trying to make the sound. I don't know if it's coming across right or if I just sound like I'm having You actually a, do a, sound episode. sort of like a turkey. Hey. Not bad. That's all I care about. Andy, as, as being my, my usual go-to for all hardware matters is... We affectionately call you Handy Andy. What what would be your your preferred method of of blocking right rail ads? You know, I've gone down a similar route myself, not to block ads, but to block uh, the crawl on the scroll. You know, on like the sports channels when you're watching ESPN. Oh you know, yeah, I the ticker. To, yeah, the ticker. Right. Yeah, I haven't gotten like- to watch the game yet, and they're going to ruin it by putting it up there. So <laughs> my method was cardboard and tape. Yeah, what I was going to actually say, Andy, is what if I wanted to be the best Andy I could be, and that's <laughs> that's the purpose of my ad tech agency? Then uh, <laughs> I I don't have an answer for that. That's just a really good question. <laughs> Thank it's, it's the question of our time, folks. Um, the thing that they are missing here, though, so they do have a hinge. So to your point, they can open and close this index card. But what they are missing is how do I then block leaderboard ads on the top or the bottom you know what if this thing could have some kind of rail you know with ball bearings so that i can just move these hinges at any side of my monitor huh you're gonna throw ball bearings into there huh what if there was like an arm from the top that had like a you know it's like movable and it's it's got a piece of paper attached to it Maybe it's a maybe it's a darker color, you know, than than this this white index card because maybe you can still kind of see through it, but you know, work like like coffee talk, so to speak. Coffee talk, okay, or better known as you know your whole day. <laughs> wow! All right, still coffee got talk. the zingers coming from Jeff over there. <laughs> <laughs>
Coffee Talk with Andy, <laughs> 9, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Oh, shit. I might have a podcast. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Just like, uh, what are those things called? What is the thing called where you like you drop a ball and then a mouse trap opens? Uh, rude, uh, rude gold, rude. Um, oh, am I getting it totally wrong? Rude, rude. I think it's Rube, Rube Goldberg. Rube, Rube Goldberg, wasn't it? Rube, 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 Rube Goldberg Rube machine. Goldberg. Rube Goldberg. Rube. <laughs> now I'm just a crazy man. I am a cool guy. Everybody <laughs> should know me as a cool guy. Who doesn't want to know cool guys? Andy? You are beyond, uh, I, I, you're just entertaining. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know where, where you get that energy from, Jeff, but. I don't awesome. have a lot of Keep energy right now. I'm, I'm like in, in what, what it's a second gear right now. I need you're to in second. You yeah, want to get up into like fifth or sixth? Yeah. Really get going? Letter per, but I don't, I don't have it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe 3 PM on a Monday or four for you guys. Oh, I'm, um, I'm dragging today, man. So I yeah, get yeah, you dragging, boyo. <laughs> Rube Goldberg, it's a Rube Goldberg machine. So you could have something where uh, maybe you tap your desk, and then through a series of fifteen levers and and balls moving, and maybe usually marbles. Air, mar- usually oh, marbles would marbles. be great. Yeah. How, why did it take me like 20 takes to say Rube Goldberg? You know what? I was thinking Rubik's Cube, maybe. Maybe. Um, anyhow, Andy, I, I think we maybe we have a weekend project of better ways with physical devices to do ad blocking. Yeah, because what if this is like a laptop and it has to close up at the end of the day, too? Oh, you could you imagine? Oh, oh, no. Could you imagine <laughs> closing your lid and the and the harm you would do to the other side of the of the laptop? Come on. Do, don't we have more interesting things we can talk about? Mm, I guess so. Look at us getting like talent just just on the fly. Just on the fly talent. Yeah, we can just we can just snag people off the street, huh? Just get over here. We got a we got important shit to talk about. So uh we have some news in the industry. The uh deprecation of cookies is going to be coming in the in the near future so how do you think that's going to impact um the state of native ad- ads cookies are being deprecated while you're ahead um, I, wish, I wish we had video for our podcast because andy's Deer in headlights when you said that was I felt, the best. I felt, I felt a little bad actually. actually. I, I, I looked at I, I looked at Andy. I'm like, you know, she's joking, right? <laughs> I, I know, and I'm you know trying to be respectable. I you know maybe you don't know, and, and and hey, let's let's educate. But. <laughs> Like, this is really taking the Andy, Okay. And do you know she got the questions beforehand? <laughs> like, yeah, that, 
That's the uh, well. Remember, you said no sarcasm or something. Yeah, I know. I know. That's so great. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. That's all I care. That's all I care about. You two are the only people we care about, anyways. And also Paula. <laughs> Paula, who will be listening to this later. Hi, Paula. Oh my hey, god. Paula. Hey, Paula. Oh my god. <laughs> if I had the answer to that, Jeff, you and I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast. We'd be on a beach somewhere. Okay. Just a beach, like an island, our, our own island. It could be if we wanted to go that route. I'm actually, to be honest, if if we're talking about hitting it big type of maybe $25 billion. 20, 27, 20, 25. 25, 25, 25, 25. We, we agreed we'd give them a discount. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm a lake house guy. I'm not a beach guy. Oh, okay. Lake house some acreage. I don't need, I don't need the, the, the beach and the Island life. I, I like fishing. I liked doing a little speed boat around the lake, see the houses on the lake, kind of just Ooh. let the, maybe let, like you know, a sea do too for, for a little bit more fun. If you, if you're into that thing, remember, I don't know how to swim. So I'm, I usually Ooh. like to be in very, well, you wear secure. a life preserver. So, you know, if you fall in the water, it'll keep you afloat. Can I get a helmet too, like a life preserving helmet? (laughs) I just want I I just want to be in a full bubble, basically. Um, (laughs) We'll put you on a boat then. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah, nice boat, a pontoon, something like that. Anyhow, have a fantastic 2021. Uh, It can't get worse, right? Let's hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Just leave it at that. (laughs) 